Welcome to Chamberlain University's MSN CourseCast. Each episode in our series will introduce and discuss key concepts from the modules in one of your courses. These episodes are intended to enhance your learning when you're on the go, so feel free to listen to them anytime and anywhere. Welcome to the Learning on the Go podcast for Nursing 519. My name is Allison Sabin, and joining me today is my MSN program colleague, Heather Rivera. Hello, everyone. Thank you again, Allison, for having me today. Thanks for joining us, Heather. I think our podcast today is going to be a really exciting topic that a lot of people can relate to, especially as we have been seeing such a movement toward person-centered care throughout healthcare industry, really across all different levels of care along the continuum. Today, if you've had a chance to listen to our other Learning on the Go episodes, some of this may sound familiar, but if you haven't had a chance to listen, I'd like to just remind you that our Learning on the Go podcast for Nursing 519 really cover concepts that are present throughout the course. And today, our topic is going to be holistic advanced health assessments. To begin our time together, we're going to explore the concept of advanced holistic health assessment and the different elements that are included in that holistic approach. After we talk about some of those basics, we're going to spend some time considering how the advanced holistic health assessment can contribute to person-centered care, which, as we all know, is truly an emerging and an important theme across healthcare delivery. And finally, we'll wrap up our time together with some case scenarios to discuss and consider some of the implications for our own nursing practice. Well, let's dive into the topic by taking a closer look at advanced holistic health assessment. Advanced holistic health assessment takes into consideration many different factors that might be influencing the health of the person. In our first Learning on the Go episode, we talked about all of the variables that contribute to someone's perception of their health, and today we're going to look at some of the very tangible factors that can impact their level of well-being and their holistic health overall. For example, physical health developmental levels, psychosocial circumstances, cultural background, different environmental factors. All of those elements can strongly impact holistic health and our assessment of their well-being. In addition, we need to always consider resources that a patient might have available or any resources that are lacking. Similarly, the social support is such an important element for us to look at, or if we find gaps in the social support and specific needs. So this holistic approach provides a more in-depth understanding of the many different life situations or circumstances that might be shaping someone's health and well-being. In addition, that connection between mind, body, and spirit We're going to talk about that and how that can influence the person's overall well-being. You know, Allison, you make really good points there. And a lot of times people hear that word holistic, and they think about alternative approaches to medicine and healthcare. 
but that's really not the case. The word holistic is really referring to an approach that considers the whole of the person, all aspects of their life, the physical, psychosocial, spiritual parts, as well as that external environment and how that impacts their well-being. So if we want to use a holistic approach to an assessment, we definitely want to be intentional in that process. So then when we take into consideration each of these important elements. Oh, you're right. You're right, Heather. And it's a really good thing for us to point out that when we talk about holistic, we're not necessarily referring to those alternative health approaches, while those may be a part of the holistic care approach. And you're, you're exactly right. We need to be intentional. It can be very easy to get into our routine of assessment. And yet, as we talk about these different elements, much like the health promotion models we talked about in our earlier episode, a lot of these pieces we're inherently assessing just based upon our nursing philosophy and our approaches to care. So being intentional and including those is so important. One way that we can envision a holistic approach to health assessment is just to consider those specific aspects of a patient's life that might be impacting or contributing to their health and well-being. Some of these we mentioned earlier, but we'll talk about them just briefly here. For example, we mentioned physical or physiological or physical type of health situations that might be experienced by that person. A holistic assessment is going to take that physical need or the pathophysiology of the situation. It's going to take that into consideration. And the challenges or deficits in physical health that might be experienced are definitely considered as well as the strengths in physical health that might be present to support their well-being. So there's the physical component, and there's also the psychological aspect of a holistic assessment. And here, of course, we want to take into consideration that emotional state and mental health and mental well-being for that person. Looking at the psychological aspect of a holistic health assessment also gives us a, a chance to really evaluate a person's feelings of self-worth, their confidence, and their sense of value. We talked a little bit about that with health promotion models as well in our earlier mm -hmm. episode. So it's important to learn about not only how they're feeling about themselves, but self-care practices for their own mental health, ways that they manage stress and cope and adapt to changes. Situations that have been helpful for them, such as maybe any treatment or counseling that they may have sought in the past that was helpful for their health and well-being. So, you know, we've talked about physical and psychological, but we can't forget the social and the spiritual elements, too. That, that social aspect of health is something that often comes second nature to us as nurses. We're constantly working with families and working to integrate and communicate and collaborate with those people. So being able to assess that relational influence or that social influence on the health of the person is really important. If we can determine mm -hmm. that a, a patient's maybe lacking social engagement, and sometimes I know you and I, Heather, have talked about this, Sometimes, for example, with an, an elderly individual who might mm -hmm. be experiencing social isolation. And right. sometimes even a young mom who may be home with their children during the day and not having that same um, social interaction that they're used to, that, that social aspect is so important. We can't forget that. So right. really taking time to look at those relational elements. And, and then finally, 
I mentioned spiritual as well. We we can't forget the spiritual elements as well. Certain people have a, a maybe a strong personal faith that's a big part of their spiritual well-being. But for others who may not share a, a personal faith-based spirituality, they may still have a strong sense of spirituality in the sense that they value forgiveness with others and reconciliation and and living peacefully uh, with other people in the world. So whatever that's spiritual element might mean for an individual, it's important for us to keep that in mind as well. Just some of those very basic things that as nurses we really do tend to focus on even when we don't realize it. Right. You're absolutely right. You know, the physical, psychological, social, and spiritual components are really important to keep in mind. And in many ways, they're kind of the forefront of things that we think about. But there's some other really important uh, factors to keep in mind also, one of which is the developmental aspects of holistic health assessment. So true. These considerations, you know, these are based on the developmental functioning for the individual patient. You know, a, a clear example would be the developmental needs and abilities of children and how they differ from adults and even sure. older adults. Right. But even looking within that, you know, it, Development, developmental status also makes me think of, you know, their education, too. Sure, um, For example, you know, my grandfather only made it through the eighth grade. So while he is an adult, a highly functioning adult, his developmental level with certain aspects is somewhat limited because of his educational background. Absolutely. And those are little nuances that we don't always take into consideration um, when assessing our patients. That's a great point, Heather. And when you share that, it makes me think about health literacy as well. We can often assume that because someone reads and writes adequately and is functioning in that way, that we may wrongly assume that they have a high level of health literacy. And really, health information can be so complex. So that developmental level will certainly impact health literacy as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another important element to consider is the cultural part of the holistic assessment. And that involves an awareness of cultural practices and norms that might be influencing health or health practices. One of the most common things that comes to my mind are food choices um, based on cultural background. My husband's family is from a certain descent where high-carb and high-fat diets, you know, things that are cooked from home that have a lot of salt in them, that's part of their culture. And if we're assessing patients and asking them to change their diet and their nutrition, you know, to something more streamlined and standard, that's taking away the culture that they were, that they were raised in. Um, so food choices are definitely a piece of that culture. Another element to consider as well in that holistic assessment is looking at economic situations that may be influencing an individual's health and well-being. You know, for example, employment status, healthcare insurance coverage, financial resources to meet those needs for food, shelter, clothing, and other necessities. You know, employment statuses can change from day to day. Health insurance coverage can change Mm -hmm. quickly. You may have taken care of a patient a month ago and they had health insurance, they had a job, they could afford their medications, but in that month time frame, everything changed. They aren't taking their medications and it's not because they're non-compliant. They can't afford them anymore and their priorities have changed. Another piece... That's a good point. We really have to be aware of that because it does happen in a hurry and change can happen and those resources that were there one day may not be there the next. Right, right. 
you know, the, the other piece, too, is the environmental conditions. So where the patient or where the individual lives, works, and where do they spend their recreational time? One thing that really comes to my mind when thinking about environment is in looking at community health as a whole, what side of town does an individual live on? And this goes back to the resources and support systems. Right. If an individual lives in a particular side of town, they may have more resources readily available to them to improve their health and well-being. Whereas if you live on a different side of town, the resources are more scarce. Right. And while it may seem easy, just drive on the other side of town to get what you need. It, it's really not that simple in the lives exactly. of our patients and their families, too. That's true. That's a great point, Heather, because one side of town might have lots of opportunities for safe walking, just for an example, an easy, you know, mm -hmm. healthy lifestyle activity. And other areas of town that may not be a safe activity or even access to grocery stores. There are food deserts, <laughs> nutritional deserts mm -hmm. in some of our urban areas where, uh, you know, surrounded by lots of big buildings, but really access to healthy food is, is minimal. And yeah, you're right. Environment really must be considered. And all of those components you mentioned, the developmental aspect, the, the economic situation, cultural influences, we really need to take those all into consideration with the environment for a holistic assessment that's genuinely holistic. You know, now that we've talked about some of these elements, which there are many, obviously, <laughs> but we've sort of outlined some of the key elements that are included in a holistic approach to health assessment, I want to just pause for a minute and think about why that is so important. And it may seem like a rhetorical question, but when we think about why a holistic approach is so important, we need to think about our goal overall, and that is to improve health outcomes and to really provide person-centered care. When it's we think about true. those goals, yeah, it, it, that kind of gives us a new framework to value holistic care in. You're absolutely right. You know, with any assessment process, the ultimate goal is not only to determine the areas of need and strength, but also to see what resources are available to support health interventions. Right, that exactly. That holistic health assessment offers a really detailed, thorough, clear picture of an individual's health needs and one of their personal strengths that are present. Once those needs are known, having that complete picture allows the nurse to develop strategies and interventions that will optimize the health outcomes for that person's unique situation. It really allows for that authentically person-centered care approach and one that's going to best support that patient or client in their journey towards health. Right. That's, that's a really good point, Heather. Getting that holistic assessment does more than tell us what might be right or wrong, but it gives us tools and information for the interventions that we want to carry out. And this might for some of our students who are listening, this might sound like a, a kind of a common theme because we, in, in Nursing 518 in our podcast, we talk about the very same value of population health assessment, not only assessing what the needs are in the community or within a population, but determining what tools do we have to make a change. And the same is true for an individual or family. We want to assess to determine what's going well where is there perhaps a challenge or an opportunity for improvement? And then what resources do we have to make that improvement? 
you know, to, to get a good idea of how we can apply this into practice, I thought it might be helpful to take a look at a case scenario that involves a variety of different holistic aspects of health. And once we listen to this story, the story of Juanita, then maybe we can break down the concepts we've been discussing and see how the holistic health assessment can not only help us understand the needs, but also plan for care. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a little story. I'll, I'll read this story to you about Juanita. This is a fictitious case scenario, but I'll, I'll go ahead and share it. And, and after I read this story about this fictitious client, then we'll, we'll talk a little bit more. Juanita is a 76-year-old widow who lives independently in a small apartment complex for low-income senior citizens. She has a six-year-old dog who provides wonderful companionship. Juanita does not have a car, but she depends on public transportation to get where she needs to go. Juanita has one daughter who is married with three young children, but her daughter works part-time and lives 45 minutes away, so it's not exactly right next door. While they do have a close and loving relationship, the busyness of life with work and small children, coupled with the 45-minute drive, makes frequent visits quite a challenge. I'm sure many of us can relate to that if we have. I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm thinking of my own extended relatives who maybe are aging and, and in need of support, and yet the distance. Sometimes We live in such a uh, global world and, and many transitions that we're a mobile society. Distance can definitely be a challenge. Juanita, in this particular, again, this fictitious case, Juanita receives a meager Social Security benefit, and at times she needs to rely on her daughter's family for financial support with medical expenses that she's been experiencing. When her husband passed away two years ago, Juanita moved from their home in a senior living apartment area into this, I'm sorry, moved from her home where she lived with her husband into a senior living apartment area that was available in a, the, this Midwestern town where she lives. And along with that transition from the home where she had lived for many years with her husband to this senior living apartment situation, there became a new reality that those familiar neighbors, those longtime friends, well, they were no longer one door away, and with many of them aging as well and transportation challenges, there was not a lot of frequent visits. So initially, she was somewhat lonely when she made this move. However, Juanita's parish offered transportation to Sunday morning mass, and they encouraged her to remain actively involved with her church activities through uh, partnership to provide transportation and in an effort to meet new people, Juanita decided that she would participate in a, a little walking club that was sponsored in the senior apartment complex. And those were just a couple of the ways that she could get some interaction with others. And although the physical exercise was somewhat limited, it still provided a great opportunity for her to connect with friends that she was making, other people living in the apartment complex, and just enjoy being outdoors during those warmer months. Mm -hmm. Well, Juanita, as I mentioned, she is also a patient at the local community health center, and she was recently diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. 
And since that time, she's been attending diabetic class to learn about monitoring her blood glucose and her nutritional intake. She's really eager to do what she can to live in a healthy lifestyle. However, while walking to the bus stop last week, Juanita fell and fractured her ankle. And as a result, she is now needing assistance with her activities of daily living and just transportation to her medical appointments because the public transportation is difficult to maneuver with a fractured ankle. She's not able to participate in her walking group now because of the fracture, and she has not felt well enough to attend Sunday Mass. Just today, a neighbor has phoned Juanita's daughter after visiting Juanita early this morning, only to find her coughing, feverish, and very distressed. She was quite upset that she was unable to make her own breakfast this morning, unable to take her dog out. And so the scenario that we're faced with now is she's ill. She has a fracture, and that's been uh, obviously impeding her activities and her usual involvement. But now it seems that there's signs of physical illness as well. So a lot wow. to consider. It's a lot to consider, especially in just a two-year time frame. You know, her husband passed away. She moved from her home into a senior apartment complex. Her physical activity has greatly declined. New medical diagnosis. That's a lot in two years. But when we take a step back and think about it, you know, I found myself nodding as you're reading these because we can. It, it's very relatable. I think we can all think sure. of loved ones or patients or friends that are experiencing a lot of these same things. And there's a lot of detail that you included in this, Allison, that definitely require a holistic assessment. So let's take a minute and see if we can break down those principles of the advanced holistic health assessment and really apply them to the case scenario. I agree. I think that's a good idea because uh, the case scenario, obviously, it's very complex, many different things going on. So let's just compartmentalize it for a minute if we can, kind of pause and look. Earlier in our episode, you know, Heather, you and I talked about the different elements, physical, psychological, social, spiritual, cultural, developmental, uh, economic, and environmental all of those being equally important. Well, let's just break down each one. And well, let's start with physical. That's something that we're all pretty familiar with. Obviously, she's experienced a new diagnosis of a chronic illness. She recently has fractured her ankle. That's certainly not a good thing. And, And she's now having signs and symptoms of some type of perhaps an infectious process or some other illness going on with the coughing and and fever. So there's there's definitely some physical needs here. There's also a couple of physical strengths that we saw in the sense that she does like to participate in a walking club and was eager to attend her diabetic classes. So those are those are certainly strengths. Yes. From a psychological standpoint, we can only imagine that there must have been a grieving process when her husband passed. Again, some of this we would need to validate with her, of course, but as we're, as we're looking at this case, we might have those questions come into our mind. The grieving process, she seems to adapted quite well to her new living environment and is making new friends. That's a good sign for her mm-hmm. mental well-being and, and interactions with others. She seems to have a strong relationship with her daughter, so that uh, psychological closeness there is, a, is certainly a strength. Today, uh, the situation with being ill and unable to care for herself 
the neighbor described her as quite distressed. And so there may be some kind of an acute onset of feeling maybe a little bit depressed or blue or down and that we'd want to certainly look at that and hopefully it is related to you know a recent illness and something that can be addressed and supported and resolved and from the social standpoint you know so many times psychological situations and social situations can play together for example relational support uh, certainly those are related elements but from a social standpoint it's wonderful to hear that Juanita does have such a close relationship with her family but we certainly are aware that there must be some isolation due to the distance or an inability to see one another super frequently and also, I think, too, it's a great sign that she has met some new friends and she's engaging with her walking group and, and also with, with the church, which brings us to the spiritual component. But again, there's a social element there. Juanita was able to re remain active uh, socially in her parish, but also that is an active part of her spiritual health. And so those continuing activities are, are really a positive sign. At the same time, we're aware that if she's experiencing some immobility now and perhaps an acute illness, her ability to continue in those activities, at least for the short term, might be interrupted. You know, Allison, you brought up some really good points in assessing Juanita's physical, psychological, social, and spiritual assessment pieces, but let's talk a little bit about her cultural aspects as well. Mm, true, yes. One of the initial assessment questions that I think we all probably ask our patients, are there any cultural beliefs or practices that you wish for us to incorporate in your plan of care? But there's a way to look beyond just that surface question. Talk with your patient about what they eat throughout the day. Are there certain foods that are their favorite? Why are they their favorite? Those types of things can give you some insight into a patient's cultural background. How are they connected with their family? Uh, is extended family extremely important? Are the relationships between a mother and daughter highly valued? Those can give you insights into that cultural element that's so important in a holistic assessment. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, another factor to consider in Juanita's case is the developmental component. She's a 76-year-old female seems like she's pretty spot on with things and her cognitive ability and social functioning are right where they need to be. But it's definitely something to consider as well. The more that you talk and interact with Juanita, are there any developmental elements that need to be addressed? Economics. Oh my goodness, mm -hmm. we could talk for hours about oh, Juanita's yeah. economic right. status. This is so, so common among our older population right now. She gets a Social Security income. You can imagine what her health care insurance coverage looks like. And now she has a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. There's right. going to be glucose management, medication management, diet changes. All of those pieces have a huge economic impact on Juanita's care. Absolutely. And then environmental. You know, she's living in a senior apartment complex. She's got some friends. You know, one thing that came to my mind is the senior apartment complex, does she live on the first floor or a second or third floor? You know, she was pretty mobile, it sounds like, in the beginning, so she could mm -hmm. live on a second floor apartment, but now she has a broken ankle. 
how is she going to get up and down those stairs and get around to different places? Absolutely. You know, other yes, those, those another, are important things. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, no, you, you're fine. So important to, to think about. Yeah, you're you are fine. Um, you know, another environmental component too, and this kind of goes along with you know talking about the things in that advanced holistic health assessment that contribute to person-centered care. Other environmental factors, you know, I think about her little dog. Um, my dogs yeah. are like my children. Mm -hmm. And if Juanita's dog is her primary companion and now she's sick, I'm sure she's concerned too about who's going to take care of my dog. I can't take care of my dog right now. Right, right. Um, probably one of the most important questions that we can ask our patients to really make them feel valued as a person is to understand what is the most important thing to you. What mm -hmm. do you get up and look forward to every single day? Is it taking your dog for a walk? Is it having breakfast with the girls from the senior complex? What are the most important things to you? And I think if we can identify that key foundation, let that be the base to which we build all of the other elements in Juanita's plan of care. That gives her meaning and value and really makes her feel valued as a person. Oh, I agree, Heather. I think your suggestion there is excellent and it really points us to the importance of not only the holistic health assessment, but that important role that the holistic assessment has in allowing us to shape person-centered care. Like you said, mm -hmm. we need to understand what is the most important Thing for her, it might be different than what our impression is. And so mm -hmm. it's important for us to validate that. And it certainly it doesn't mean that we don't address the other elements as well, but we, we really want her to feel cared for. We want to support her sense of health and well-being and offering, like you said, that very person-centered approach. For example, if we know that her dog is very special, helping her to make arrangements is a person-centered approach to care for her that is holistic and really important in her life, equally important as, for example, maintaining some culturally congruent foods, food choices, mm -hmm. or practices, and helping her to learn ways that maybe those can be prepared that might facilitate her diabetic diet or just different, you know, kind of creativity uh, or creative ideas and innovative ways of, of, of implementing um, mm -hmm care that really is centered on her and the person. And one of the things you mentioned, Heather, that I just felt like wrapped it up so well is taking the time to ask. Sometimes people, nurses, I should say, sometimes as nurses, we may feel a little uncomfortable asking a question, but it's been my experience that patients and families really appreciate asking, tell me a little bit about your culture. I don't know that much. I'd love to learn more. What's important to you? And like you said, kind of getting a, a clear grasp of that. There's a lot of nursing implications that we can think about from holistic assessment as well. And they obviously, they, they tie to the interventions that we develop. But once we know that holistic base from which we can operate, we understand the resources, we understand the needs and the strengths, then we can design care that will truly support the health of that individual. Well, as we close our time together, it's really interesting to me anyway, uh, to consider how that holistic approach 
can apply to patient situations that are, for example, like Juanita, where we're looking at some chronic situations and an acute illness, and maybe even living in a different care setting with some assisted living or independent elderly living. But we can also apply it in the other extreme or the other end of the spectrum to someone who is in a quote unquote well and healthy and, and doing mm -hmm. just fine. That holistic approach still adds value no matter where we're at on that health illness continuum. And so when we, we think about it, applying it to someone who's in an individual situation living independently but facing health concerns, it gives us opportunities to identify the strengths and the needs and so forth. And it helped me, actually, to, um, you know, the, the conversation that you and I had, Heather, thinking through all the different circumstances that are influencing Juanita's health, for example, really mm -hmm. looking at a case kind of helps to put the pieces together. And it underscores, at least in my mind, the value of that holistic approach to really facilitate restoring her health and the healing process. And, you know, we, like I said, we've covered a whole lot of information and just uh, I found that case application to be super helpful. So I just want to thank you, Heather, for all of the insights you shared as well. Absolutely. Thank you again so much for having me, Allison. And for those of you that are listening, the one takeaway, probably the most important thing, in my opinion, of course, to take away from this is to take the time with your okay. patient or with your client and just ask them the simple question, what is the most important thing to you as a patient or a client? What things are important? And, you know, they may be taken aback, you know, well, do you mean in the hospital? Well, I want to make sure that I have clean sheets and a clean gown. No, no, no. In life, what is the mm -hmm. most important thing to you? Is it true? social elements? Is it with your dog or with your pet or staying in your own home? Get to know them in their life, not just in that moment of illness or even that particular moment of health. What is it that's the most important to that individual? Take the time to do that, and it will open up so many more doors for you and the patient. Absolutely. I, that is, that's exceptional advice, Heather. I just, I really <laughs> couldn't agree more. Uh, and, and when we think about it, if we have ever been on the other side of the sheets, so to speak, if we have been that patient or we have been on the other side, uh, you know, been the recipient of care, those moments mean so much when someone has taken the time, whether it's been um, ourselves as a patient or perhaps a family member and we've been working to help navigate care or to provide care. Having someone take the time to relate and ask and learn more and really care, that makes all the difference in the world. And of course, as nurses, and so many times we are wearing both hats, we are wearing the hat of a caregiver uh, in a family, but we're also a nurse. We know the value of that holistic assessment and considering all the factors that are going to shape health and well-being. So thank you. Thank you, Heather. You summed that up so well. I really appreciate it. Thank and you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to everyone who is listening to our episode. I hope that this episode of Learning on the Go is helpful for you. And good luck as you continue with NR519.
Now that you've explored some important concepts related to your modules, if you have not done so already, please turn your attention to the course materials in your online course for additional application and practice of these concepts.